Welcome. We are glad you're here this morning to worship with us. It's just, uh, it's good to even have the sun shining today, isn't it? And uh, it's good to be alive. God sustains us for life, and He's all about life. And uh, we're about life, and we want to be people of life. And so we're here to give Him praise and thanks and honor. And the first day of the week, uh, people have been doing this for 2,000 years to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what we're doing as well. So welcome. We're glad you're here. If this is your first time, we are glad to have you. If you've come back, we're glad to have you back. And if everybody would take a moment, fill out a connection card, we would appreciate that and put it in the, uh, the basket when it's passed. And uh, next week at 12.15, right after this service, is starting point. And so if you're new to us, we would love to have you for lunch. Uh, stay afterwards. Just mark your card there, starting point, or write starting point or something, and uh, helps, us, uh, helps us plan a little better. We'd love to have you. We're here because God's been so good to us, and uh, we want to keep growing in Him and learning, and we are all strugglers together. We're mutual strugglers, right? And there's nobody here that's got it all together. We're still, we're still dealing with life, and we're, with our, we're dealing with ourselves and letting Christ deal with us as well. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5, we're, we're in this series called Aha because we are visiting the, king, the kingdom matters, you know, the life of Jesus and rediscovering what it means to be in the kingdom of God, get our heads around that a little bit, which is hard to do sometimes. You know, when I travel to different cultures, as some of you do, you learn to adjust. Like when I was in the Ukraine, I adjusted when they passed me raw bacon as a part of my supper. And so I took it and I ate it. I adjusted. And uh, when I go to Vienna every year to teach... Uh, uh, I have to remember, you don't leave a tip on the table. You always hand it to the server. It would be rude to leave it on the table. So I adjust there. When I've been to Ghana, West Africa, you know, there's a, there's a certain uh, a formality of meeting a village chief, how you sit and, and how you, how you, um, how you uh, converse with the chief. You don't talk to him directly and so forth. So when we go to different people groups, you know, we adjust accordingly. Sadly, sometimes that's how we view the kingdom of God, that we're in the kingdom, we just got to make some adjustments. I used to do that, now I can't do that. Uh, I should be doing that now, even though I've never done that before. And what that is, is simply a spiritual behavior modification. And being in the kingdom of God is so much better than that, it's bigger than that, it's nobler than that, because it's about getting a new heart, a new nature that the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit changes us from within. And out of that, the externals are affected. Now, that doesn't mean there are some things right at the beginning we got to stop doing because we know God doesn't want us to do them. But if that's, all, if that's the only way we live, well, I can't do that because I'm a Christian. It's just not big enough. He wants to move our hearts so that we don't even have a desire to do those things anymore. There's no thirst for them anymore because we have a new kind of heart. That's, that's, what, that's what God is looking for in the lives of all of us. So uh, here's, here's what the text says today, Matthew 5, beginning with verse 13. Now remember, this is a sermon of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. It, it's uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7. We're not going to study all of it, but different parts of it. Here's 13 to 20. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. 
For truly, I tell you, until the kingdom, until, the heaven, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will be by any means, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Christianity is far different from religion. We've learned that over and over again because that's that's how Jesus rocks the world of the first century of these religious people of his day. Uh, Religious people hated Jesus because he undid them. Common folks were drawn to him. Because there was something magnetic about the way he talked, by the way he used words, by the way he loved them. That's why kids want to sit on his lap. And, and you know, people who were prostitutes and, and the, the, the greedy and the embezzlers, you know, they still came around him because he spoke differently than anybody else. The Sermon on the Mount is basically contrasting two ways in which to live. And so, for instance, at the end of the sermon, by the time we get to the end of this sermon that Jesus preaches, he said there are two groups of people. There are people who are like trees that bear bad fruit and people that are like trees that bear good fruit. There are people on one road that leads to destruction. On another road, there are people and, and they're leading, they, that road leads to life. Uh, there's a group of people that are building a house, but they're building their house on sand. This group of people over here, they're building their house on rock. He says, now outwardly, he says, they all look the same. The trees are bearing fruit. People are walking down the paths. Houses are being built. On the surface, it all seems fine. But he says when the difference comes beneath. One group does, it, does all the things right out of duty. Another group does it because Jesus Christ has impacted their lives. And they've never been the same. That's what Jesus is trying to get at. He's trying to help us understand This is what a religious person, somebody who's merely religious looks like. Here's what a Christ follower looks like. We're together today because we believe the gospel. Now, what's that mean? Three things about gospel people. First of all, they're influential people. Now, everybody really is an influential person. You can't live a life and be in relationship with somebody without without being influential, uh, either for good or for bad. Uh, All of us are influencing. We in the kingdom of God... We want to influence for the sake of the name of God. That's what our influence is directed toward ultimately. By so doing, we will impact society and culture and governments and the world, communities, families, neighbors. That will happen along the way. Now, here's how we influence. We influence by shining. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He said there, 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 there are two groups of people. There are the people whose light is put under a bowl. Another people put their, with their uh, uh, light on a stand so it shines and makes a difference. What's he saying there? It seems like, well, we should be doing our things in seclusion so nobody gets credit for the good things we do. That's not what he's teaching in this particular place. He's saying, look, when you do things, you want to make sure you do them in a way that ultimately it gives you an ingroad to tell why you love to do good. It's all about Jesus changing our lives. That's what it's about. Now, if we do good and we don't give him credit, we don't pray to him about doing it well, we don't have to ask for his wisdom about how to do it, uh, we do it to feel better, 
We do it simply out of mere duty. That's like doing good deeds and, and, and shining a light that puts, puts it under a bowl. No, we want to do things in a way that glorifies and honors the name of the Lord. Make him known. Now, that, we don't always think that way, but that's what he calls us to. You know, uh, when, when the Apostle Paul writes to the believers in Philippi, he says, we're to shine like stars in the universe. And that word shine is the Greek word for reflect. Albedo is the scientific word for that, for reflection. And so albedo, for instance, uh, it measures the amount of light reflected off of heavenly bodies from the light shining on them from the sun. For instance, Venus has a 0.65 albedo. That is, 65% of the sun's light is reflected off of Venus. Uh, The moon, our night sky light, is 0.07. It reflects only 7% of the, of the sun's light. Now, what Paul is saying is, we are to reflect 100% of God's light. We, we are to let our, our light shine. How? As he shines on us and is reflected. We welcome him into our lives for that reflection. We're to be that kind of influence in the world. Are you? Are, am I? No matter where we are. Second, we influence by preserving. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Salt, we know, to be a preservative. It keeps things from spoiling. What is spoiling? Spoiling is when things fall apart. They disintegrate. That's, that's what happens when something spoils. When God created the heavens and the earth, everything was working perfectly. It was perfectly integrated. Everything, everything about. We can't imagine a world like that, but that's how the earth was. Then Adam and Eve sinned, and what happened? The earth started falling apart. And so the second law of thermodynamics, for instance, says that the, world, the earth, the universe is dying down. It's losing in its energy. You know? uh, we can look at the world today and there's some who blindly say, well, the world keeps getting better. I don't think so. The world keeps getting worse. Why? It completely continues to get unraveled. That's why families unravel. That's why individuals unravel. That's why we have dis-ease in our lives uh, that comes in sicknesses, illnesses, natural disaster. All that is evidence of dis- disintegration. When God, Jesus comes back, God says, I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth. That means it's all going to be integrated perfectly again. Until then, and in light of that, being in the kingdom of God means that we are part of preserving, that we, in view of what's coming, we're going to engage. We're going to be a part of, of this life in this world with each other and with people around us to make life better to the best that we can by, 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 our, by our influence and by our touch with the world. The Pharisees didn't see it that way. You know, Pharisees, their name means separated ones. And so they withdrew instead of being a part of the world around them. We're, we're, the, we're, we're, the, we're the salt. We're salt. Uh, we also influence by flavoring. Uh, I'm not very discerning when it comes to food that needs salted. You may, you may be. My wife is. Uh, and so we'll sit down to eat, and she said, salt your rice. It needs salt. I said, no, I'm fine. No, salt your rice. So I salt the rice. And she's right. It tastes better. Uh, now, all of us, I think, are very well acquainted with oversalting. We can take one by the, ah. Uh, and you ever know any oversalty Christians? Blech. You know, they mean well. But they're obnoxious, they are condemning, they're judging, they talk a lot, they talk about themselves more than other people, and you really don't want to be around. Jesus was not like that. People were drawn to him. People loved to be around him. They, 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 they loved, loved to hear more of him. You see, salty people who are properly salted, 
properly salted people, salty people, they always lift you. They always make you feel better. They make you want to be better. The kind of people that, that, that make you think well. You know, in your life group, for instance, if you try a life group and uh, somebody there seems to always have the right theological questions and you, you're stunned, you're amazed at what they know. And they think, man, I wish I knew the Bible like that. You can walk away, that, about that, away from that group and think, mm, maybe I'll go back, maybe not, I don't know. But if you go to that group and you sit in a circle with some people and they are talking about their lives and their issues and they are very transparent and they're talking about wrestling with God about some issues and, and they're pouring themselves out and they're interested in you. They want to know your story and, and they end up praying for each other. You walk away from a group like that and say, man, I want to go back to that group. Because that's, the kind, that's what salty people do. Salty people are the kind of people that you want to be around. Now, I'm not saying Bible knowledge is not important. It is. We are charged to know the Scriptures. And we should be around people who inspire us to know the Scriptures better. We need to keep getting better at, at knowing the Word of God. But all I'm saying is, merely knowing the Word of God does not necessarily make people want to be around us. It's, it's, it's what we do with the Word in us. It's our interest in them. It's how we believe in them. It's how we love them. It's how it's how it's our spirit, our countenance, our winsomeness. That that that's what it. That, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, we also influence by engaging. I've already used that word already, but I, I want to say something about it because this is where the rubber meets the road in all of this. Because we we live in a fallen world. Every community has its issues, its problems. Every family has its challenges. Every neighborhood does. And typically, so often what Christians want to do, if the neighborhood changes, if, the, if, if, if uh, the, the, um, you know, we don't like uh, the particular area we're in because of maybe socioeconomics has changed or, or there's been a mixture of races or something like that, so often Christians want to go and move away from a neighborhood like that. Now, granted, there are times it's a wise thing to leave a neighborhood if your children are going to be unsafe or something like that. You know, I'm talking about it is hard to realize that we're to keep engaging in the neighborhoods of our lives, that we're called to love the cities of our nation and the world. We are called to love people that are very unlike us. We are called to rub shoulders with people that we ordinarily wouldn't rub shoulders with, but because of Christ, we do. Because that's what Jesus does, and we're his presence in the midst of all kinds of different sorts of people. We're to keep Engaging, You know, the, the interesting thing, you know, about uh, sodium is that sodium is an element that always is found in combination form. It, its nature is to attach itself to another element. Now, on the other hand, we have chlorine. You have probably chlorine bleach at home. You wouldn't go home and take a whiff, you know, unless you want your sinuses destroyed or something. It's too pungent. It's, it's offensive, but the intriguing thing is you put Na with Cl, sodium and chlorine, you have sodium chloride, which is common table salt, right? It's a cool thing how that happens. And here's what it means spiritually. It, sodium, like love, by its nature, wants to attach. That's what the love of God does. It wants to, by, by its nature, we want to attach to people. By God's nature, 
he sent Jesus. By his nature, he created. That's why God created us, because it's the nature of who he is. He must create, because it agrees with who he is. And after creating, even after we mess up, he still longs to connect himself with us. That's the love of God. And that love in us, we want to attach with people too, to make a difference. Now, without truth, it's squishy love. It's you know, tingly love. You know what I mean. Sentimental and gooey love. Now, if I'm engaging the world as chlorine, I'm going to be harsh, judgmental, withdraw from people, shake my finger, you know, condemn. That's not going to work because that, that's not, our job is not to condemn the world or to judge the world. That's not what we're called to do. That's, that's, that's God's responsibility. And it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to convict the world of sin. It's not our job. Our job is to love people to Jesus Christ. And so we combine these two so that our love isn't squishy. It's based on truth. And we don't go by truth alone without love because that's obnoxious and, re, and repugnant to people. We combine those and we are inflexible when it comes to the truth of God. And we are extremely flexible when it comes to loving people. So let's learn how, what that looks like. Let's figure that out. Gospel people are influ- influential people. We're also heart people. Verse 20, the last verse of the text says, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees, number one, they were a sect of the Jews. Their number one job was to obey the law. And they had 635 of them, in addition to that, the oral traditions. And they heaped those on people, and the people saw these religious leaders as, man, they've got it together. I mean, that's, that's all that they did. And Jesus has the audacity to say in this crowd, your righteousness, your goodness has to surpass these religious guys, the Pharisees. What? If you ever had a boss you were killing yourself for, I mean, you are doing everything you can to get a good report, a good uh, evaluation. And then he comes into your office and says, you know, we need more from you. You must be joking. Do you know how many hours I'm working now? Do you know how much I'm doing? And you want me to do more? That's how this crowd heard this. You have a college professor. He thinks his subject is the only subject that exists. And he keeps heaping more assignments. He said, how am I supposed to keep a job? How can I do all my other classes? How can I, I'm, I, I don't have any more hours in the day. That's how the crowd heard Jesus. What? I've got to do more? How? Jesus wasn't saying, I want you to do more. He's saying, I want you to do it differently. There's a difference in how we obey. Five times he said, you've heard it said. Meaning, this is typically how you think. But, but I'm telling you something different. This is how it comes out. And he talks about some of the Ten Commandments. Jesus does throughout the chapter. He says, uh, now religious people, you religious people, you think if you haven't stabbed anybody and killed them, that everything's a good. But I'm telling you, if you hold a grudge against somebody, if you have an unforgiving spirit towards somebody, if you hope that guy, something bad happens to him, you know, uh, you're guilty of committing murder in your heart. You think that if you haven't gone to bed with somebody who's not your wife or your husband, uh, you haven't committed adultery. But he said, in my ethic of things, if you entertain lust in your heart and you live in sexual fantasies, you are guilty of committing adultery. He says, 
Uh, you, you people who are so uh, true in your oath keeping and, and promises you make, uh, you know, you've signed contracts and you're going to keep your contract just to keep you out of court. He says, in my, with my ethics, that's not enough. In fact, my ethics say, if you're following me and you say to somebody that this is what you're going to do, you don't need it. They know they don't have to have it in writing because you're such a person of integrity. You're going to be true to your word no matter what. He says, you religious people, you may not seek revenge, but if you follow me, there's a higher ethic, a stronger standard. Not only will you not seek revenge, but what you hope for and pray for and work toward is a restored relationship where you can really be friends with this person who did you wrong. Yikes. It's hard teaching, isn't it? You see, religious people operate out of fear. Gospel people operate out of a new nature, a new love for God, an understanding of love for God and what He's done for us. He gives us a new heart, a new way of seeing, a new way of understanding, a new worldview, a new way of seeing people that we never saw before. That's what it's about. And gospel people are grace law people. Well, what in the world does that mean? You know, um, what I mean is, you know, we're saved by grace, we say. We're not saved by law. In other words, not saved by doing enough to get God to, to love us and welcome us into heaven. We know that doesn't cut it. And so because of that, I don't have to worry about laws. Well, that's not true. People who follow Jesus Christ have a higher view of God's laws. We understand them. We understand that God's laws are for our benefit. The Bible has a lot of laws for holy living that I'm to take seriously. You see, religious guy number one says, God loves me, I'm going to do my best. And this kind of guy abuses the love of God. You know, I've got the biggies taken care of, and you know, nobody's perfect. We all, we all do bad things we shouldn't do. We all make mistakes. So therefore, uh, you, know, I, you know, me, lost, no, because I'm such a good guy. So this person abuses the love of God in such a way. Religious guy number two says, give me the rules and I'll, I'll just do them. This person affects, I mean, accepts that he's a sinner, but he never really, he never really grasps the love of God. He's doing the law out of duty, hoping that if he does well enough, maybe God will say, you're good enough, come on in. So this person misses the love of God completely. The first person abuses the love of God. This person uh, has no concept, really, of the love of God. Never, the first person never stands amazed at the cross of Christ and what the price that was paid. Is never booed by that. This particular guy, you know, sort of cognitively gets the cross, but still thinks he can make his own way. Both of them are simply religious people. They just don't get it. Here's the good news. We love the Father for what he's done for us. We love the Father for what he's done for us. You know, the, the, you know Jesus said, uh, before I say any more about this, I, I bypass this verse where he says, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. What's that mean? You know, he, he came as the personification of perfect man. I don't know how many sermons I've preached in 40 years of preaching. No clue. But I tell you what, I have never, ever fully lived any one sermon I've ever preached. Long before it gets to you, it's preached to me. 
And even as I preach it, I know I don't live up to it. Jesus Christ is the only one that fully practiced what he preached. This full sermon of, that he preaches, 5, 6, and 7, he was the personification of the Sermon on the Mount because he is truth embodied. Now, that's why this is such good news, that we love the Father for what he's done for us. I do not deserve what he's done for me. Tonight, we're going to watch this uh, great game, and we're not going to go get a snack very quickly because the commercials are on, right? And we want, we want to see those commercials as well as Tom Brady get... Well, never mind. Uh, uh, we... Uh, we uh, when we watch those commercials, we will laugh. Some of them will hate. Some of them will say, that's stupid. Some will think, what were they trying to tell us with that one? They'll be confusing. But one thing we know for sure, all those advertisers will be trying to get our attention. If you eat this, you'll feel better. If you drink this, you'll feel more relaxed. If you drive this, you're going to be like really good. Whatever it is, that's what ad agencies do. They're trying to get us to somehow create our identity out of what they have to sell us. And friends, Jesus Christ is a source of our identity. And we have to weigh that all the time that we don't sell out, that we, don't, that we, don't, that, that we fail to remember that he did this for us that we might have life. No one has, has what he's done for us is, is so great. And so... Secondly, we love the Father for telling us how to live. Do you, love, do you, love, you want somebody to tell you how, what to do? You know? Not typically, but when you know you're loved, it's, it's, it changes. You know, uh, my, I, I'm pretty good at domestic duties and helping around, except laundry. There are too many daggone rules with laundry. You know, lay this flat, hang this drip dry, do not dry, tumble low, high heat. You know, whites, darks, softs, I don't know. They're all kinds of stuff. Why can't you just dump it all in and come out? I don't get it. And so, because of that, Dinah really doesn't like me to touch the laundry. Keep your hands off. She's been out of town the last two weekends for, uh, taking care of grandkids. And so, I thought I'd just help out by doing the laundry, you know. So, I had to read all these stupid tags and all that. And, you know, what, what, and I, I was so proud to tell her when she came, I did laundry. She gulped first, you know. <laughs> You didn't dry my pants, did you? You know, and uh, no. And, uh, you know, now why would I do that if I don't like it? It's not because I'm such a nice guy. I just need points. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, well, I did it because I knew it would be something valuable to her. Because she has loved me so much and put up with so much in me that I, I want to do a loving thing for her. Isn't that how love works in marriage? Is now works in relationships. The more we learn about the person we're married to, the more we want to do things that make them happy, not what's just good for us. Now, she operates a lot more that way than I do. That was just one weekend I happened to do something right, all right? Uh, typically, that's not me. I'm more of a taker than a giver, but I'm working at it, okay? Uh, but my point is, the more we find out how God wants us to live, the more we want to do that because nobody's loved us like this. And we want to be pleasing to him, right? So you, you can open the Bible. And you, you know, some people don't want to read the Bible because they don't want to find out how to live. You know, because it's, it's too frightening. You can go to the Bible and close it and say, I am doomed. 
Or you can read the Bible and say, why should I be so loved? I don't, I don't get this. How do you read the Bible? Doomed or loved? When you meet Jesus at the cross of Christ, at his cross, knowing that he died in your place, he went through his suffering to be raised from the dead on three days so that you could have life, not just in heaven, but life now, abundant life. When you get that, nothing's the same. So let's don't give up. Let's keep exploring the depths of the grace of God because there's only one Savior who can only save you. Only one. You can't save yourself. Your goodness can't save you. Mine can't. Only the blood of Jesus can rescue me. Tammy Lindsay was writing recently, and she said, I was humored by my little four-year-old in church when they were singing, uh, We Exalt You, and he sang, We Exhaust You. <laughs> Does God find you exhausting? You know, me exhausting? Talking the talk but not living the life? Or exhausting because he keeps extending himself and we keep putting up barriers or reasons why? Don't exhaust God, you know. Surrender. Let's keep surrendering and please Him better. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being good. Thank you for being everything we need. And help us, Father, in this journey. We're still trying to figure it out, and we will until you come back. So until that day, Father, please, please love us well as you have, and please don't give up on us. We'll keep pursuing you. In Jesus' name, amen.